Praise God, everybody. I call you blessed in the name of Jesus. It is so good to be with you tonight. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I'm going to rejoice, and I'm going to be glad in it. Amen. Thank you for connecting with me and being a part of this service tonight. And uh, I think the Lord has some, some great things in store uh, for us. And so let me open with prayer and we'll get started on some things. Father, I come to you in the name of our beloved Savior, Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord, for another opportunity to share your word, to help the people of God as much as I can. But Lord, I cannot do it on my own strength. I need your spirit your power, for I can do nothing good of my own, Lord. I need you. We all need you. So may you lead us and guide us tonight. Let my words be your words, my thoughts be your thoughts. Open our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and our hearts to receive absolutely everything that you would have us know tonight. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. <coughs> A little bit of business that I want to attend to uh, before we get into the lesson tonight. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, a few announcements. This Sunday, we're going to return to in-person services here. Praise God. Sunday morning, there'll be one service at 11 o'clock. Again, I know we, when we uh, took a break because of the uh, COVID outbreak. <coughs> Excuse me. I haven't coughed all day long. It's just the enemy trying to scratch up my throat right, right here and now. Uh, we were doing two services, one at 9, one at 11. Um, for now, we're going to come back to just the 11 o'clock service. And um, that will also be a live stream via uh, Facebook and YouTube uh, platforms. Once you know all the auxiliary ministries are going to be available, children's ministry will be available. We'll have the ca cafe open for a portion of the time. Uh, our um, greeters and doorkeepers and ushers and uh, praise team, all that stuff's going to be uh, in operation. And that'll be Sunday morning at 11 o'clock. Um, service should only last about 75 minutes, maybe 70 minutes. And uh, in, that, in that we are coming back and we have had, you know, some uh, reported uh, COVID uh, cases, uh, those are all behind us now. That's what I've been watching for over the last few weeks to know whether or not it was good to come back. I want to encourage all of us to kind of uh, reboot our, our, our protocols and our plans to protect each other and to help each other. I want to encourage physical distancing as much as possible. Uh, I, I want you to remember that considering others is the most important thing. And so I want to remind you, you know, if you're, if you're, before you shake somebody's hand, I'm still doing this no matter where I'm at. If, before you shake somebody's hand, ask them, is it all right if I shake your hand? Before you hug somebody, ask them, is it okay if I give you a hug? And then this is one to consider as well. Before you sit next to someone, ask them if it's okay if you sit directly next to them. We had uh, a case that came to my attention I'm not sure how long ago this has been, but a family that came into our services and they had requested to have some social, excuse me, physical distancing. And um, 
And then somebody else just came in and inadvertently, without any malintent whatsoever, of course, and sat right next to them. And uh, I don't think that family came back, I'm not sure. But uh, my point being is that we have to respect each other's space. And especially now that we're coming back, there may be some people that have a little bit of, you know, apprehension about things. And so we're going to up our game uh, in terms of the uh, protocol, safety protocols and protections. We're going to consider others first. That's the most important thing that we do, that we can do as Christians. There'll be a couple of new things that you'll experience when you come in the door. Uh, I've, uh, I want to have a couple of people up front uh, one is there, uh, this is going to be non-intrusive, it's non-obligatory, but they're just simply going to be asking you, may I offer you some hand sanitizer? And quite frankly, one of the great ways to keep from passing colds even, let alone coronavirus, but colds and other things is good hygiene. And so it's just an opportunity where they're, gonna, they're just going to say, may I offer you some hand cleaner? And, uh, and then if you don't want it, you don't have to take it. But if, uh, if you do, then, you know, obviously clean your hands. Then there'll be another person standing by who will offer you, yes, we're coming back to giving you a printed bulletin. <laughs> yeah. So they'll be offering you a, a printed bulletin. Um, and in that bulletin this week, uh, there will be a handout, a small flyer that gives you some information. It's a voter's guide handout. So that'll be... Uh, one of the inserts in the bulletin this week. And so, uh, yeah, we'll share a little bit more about that Sunday morning. So don't be surprised when you come in and there's a couple people uh, standing at the door. It won't, it won't be a bottleneck of traffic or anything, but non-intrusively offering you some hand sanitizer and a bulletin. And it's just a service to uh, guest services, family services, something we want to do to help people out. And then finally, my last announcement is that next Wednesday night, we will return to in-service, excuse me, in-person midweek services here. Uh, that will be on November 4th, the day after <laughs> the election, and that will be at 7 o'clock. And so uh, I hope that you can come out and be a part of that, because I'm looking forward to getting back to some of the... Uh, um, well, getting, preparing the saints of God for the last days and for the return of the Lord. I've still been down that lane, but I've been doing it more uh, down the byway of the election and being ready for that, and, and, and I want to get back to, uh, to things. Uh, before I get into the meat of this message tonight, I believe that it's important that I give credit to where credit is due. I've been uh, deeply inspired by a homily message that was given by a Catholic priest I think his name is Ed Meeks. Uh, he did a message that was called uh, Looking into the Abyss, I think it is. And it was very profound, deeply moving. And it really inspired me toward tonight. I've been really thinking about what will I do for that last Wednesday before the election? What can I bring? You know, Jesus, help me, give me the words. And uh, this message uh, tonight is inspired by, as I said, Ed Meeks uh, and his message on looking to the abyss. <clears throat> I'm entitling it, um, my message about this, The Non-Negotiable Values. Um, the Bible teaches us in Psalm chapter 33, verse 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation 
whose God is the Lord. It goes on to say, the, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. Now, we know that the Israelites, the children of Israel, are the chosen of God in, you know, throughout the Old Testament. But I believe as well America is chosen by God. I believe it's a special uh, nation uh, on the planet that has the anointing of the, the Lord on it. It's ordained by God. It was established around the precepts of serving God and freedom, uh, freedom to worship God however you want to do so. However, there's something we have to understand that with the Old Testament people, the chosen of the Lord, that there were times that they obeyed the Lord and followed the precepts of God and they were blessed by God and received rewards in their life, the blessings of the Lord, because of their obedience and compliance to His standards. However, there were also multiple times, regrettably multiple times, that the children of Israel did what was not pleasing in the sight of the Lord. And in every one of those cases, the Lord gave them an opportunity to repent. And if they did not, then judgment would come to them. Now, we can't expect as a chosen nation, America, to be any different than that. That as long as we are under God serving the Lord, doing the things that we're supposed to do as the people of God, we're going to be the blessed of the Lord as well. But when we operate and live our lives in opposition to the standards of God, then we can expect judgment. You know, that's still a part of who God is. He always gives us an opportunity to repent. He always gives us an opportunity to, to change that, that direction. It's also important to notice as we've been studying end times that the prophetic things in the Scripture about the end times are going to come to pass. It is inevitable. Nothing, quite frankly, can stop them from happening. They are the Word of God. But we can see many times throughout biblical history where the judgment of God has been postponed, has been delayed. I believe that we have another opportunity on our hands as a church to rise up and to uh, have some non-negotiable values that we will plant our flag in the ground and say, no, th we are going to serve the Lord our God. Can I get an amen? <clears throat> so here we are. This is the, uh, the last Wednesday midweek service before the infamous... Uh, election <laughs> that's coming up in six days. Six days left until election 2020. Tonight, quite frankly, is my final opportunity in a while to just speak directly to you in this fashion. Why do I say that? There's been something very special about just looking at the camera, knowing that I, I just have this feeling I'm eyeball to eyeball with you, even though you're not here. I can't explain that, but it just feels like such a direct communication uh, between me and between you, each of you individually. And I've just made it my opportunity to speak to you on a gut level, real deal, straightforward, no holds barred kind of fashion. And I think all of you will admit that over the course of the Wednesdays in October, um, I've just been laying it out there, and I'm going to do that again tonight. Not that I won't do that once we come back together, but there's just something different about this specific environment. Um, for the entire month of October, midweek service has been a straight talk to you uh, 
the people of God about the election, about the party platforms, and about the candidates. I understand and I recognize that it is not my place to tell you how to vote. I can't do that and I wouldn't even presume to do so. It is, however, my place to, uh, as your pastor, to help you see how your decision when you cast your vote either needs to align with the Word of God or you stand in opposition to the Word of God. Our political positions need to be informed and need to be formed by the truths, the precepts, and the standards of God's Word and by the tenets of faith for our church. Those must be fixed things in our life that we say these are the guideposts. The decisions that I must make in life need to match up to the standards of God's holy word and also the tenets of faith for our church. There are specific things about the candidates and about the party platforms that not only impact our lives, but they will also impact our tenets of faith as an organized church. So this is a critical and very important election that's coming up next Tuesday. It's critical that we're aware of the differences. It's, it's paramount that we're aware of the challenges facing us before we go cast a vote. Now, maybe some of you have already voted. I've read the news here lately, said some people are trying to figure out, can I vote again? I, I want to change my mind. I'm not sure what the answer on that is. But I want to say that on a personal note, and I want to make this very clear, my first allegiance isn't to a political party or to a specific candidate. My allegiance, my devotion, my dedication is to the holy word of God. Amen? The grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of God endures forever. And I pray that you can say the same thing, that your allegiance, your first allegiance is to God's word, to his standards, to his precepts, to his truths, and not to a political party or to a specific candidate. What I have to say to you tonight is not politically motivated um, because the ramifications of it all go far beyond politics. It's, it's, it's way bigger than just a specific day. The things that I've already said over the past few weeks and, and the things that I'm going to say tonight, I believe are things that need to be said. I've had more than one uh, response via text uh, saying, thank you, Pastor, for having the courage to say the things that others don't have the courage to say. And I don't do that out of bravado or brash arrogance. I simply do it because I'm compelled by the Holy Spirit to lead God's people correctly and to prepare the church, this church, for the coming of the Lord. And that's what I'm doing. So I have to speak the things that I feel like God is saying to my spirit. 1 Corinthians 9.16 says, Woe to me if I do not preach the truth, if I do not preach the gospel. And I think you all know me by now. You know me well enough by now to know that, that I'm sold out, lock, stock, and barrel the whole nine yards for the truth of the Word of God. If that weren't true, I'll tell you right now, I wouldn't dare stand before you as a Christian pastor, and I wouldn't even dare sit, stand behind the holy desk and impart the Word of God. Uh, we live in a nation that is sadly and tragically divided. 
We are a nation divided against uh, itself, and that is a terribly serious thing because Jesus himself said that a house divided against itself cannot stand. It breaks my heart as a patriot to see our country in such chaos, to see it in such unrest, to see so much upheaval across the nation. That being said, the last thing I want to do is to have things that are presented from this pulpit that add to the division of our nation or cause offense or add uh, that, that seem, I don't want it to be divisive to the church family either and to cause any disunity. So please know that I don't speak out of uh, angst or anger or, for, or any of that, but I feel compelled by the Holy Spirit to bring you the Word of God. And I hope that I'm able to do so in such a way that you experience the love of Christ at the same time. We are first and we are foremost spirit-filled Christians, and we love the same Lord, we serve the same God, we believe in the same Bible, we're citizens of the kingdom of God, and we're subject of the King of kings and Lord of lords, and, and secondly to that, we are Americans. You see, first, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. Secondly, we are American citizens of what I still believe is a splendid, although divided, nation. We are at a crossroad in our country. And I believe with all my heart that it is time for the faithful disciples, believers of Jesus Christ to take a courageous stand against what is the spirit of Antichrist that I spoke about last week that's overtaking, trying to reform our culture, completely reform it. And it's time that we dig our heels in the ground and just say, enough is enough. We have that opportunity next Tuesday. The Lord is giving America an opportunity to change its mind to serve him completely. Again, it won't stop the inevitability of God's judgment, but it will delay, hopefully, for a season, that judgment. The starting point has to be that as Christians, we make our decisions in life based on the precepts of the Word of God, based on the standards of the Word of God, based of the, on the tenets of faith, and those things need to be at the forefront of our thinking, like the GPS. This is how I navigate life, based on the standard rule of the Word of God and the tenets of faith of the church. One of the biggest causes of America's decline and decay is that the, these things that I just mentioned aren't at the forefront of people's minds. They are not letting God guide them, the church guide them, but they're letting the world and culture guide and manipulate their lives, their thinking, and their choices. And it's a great deception across the globe, across America, that you and I have to combat. We have a, a moral and a civic responsibility to vote. However, and more importantly, we have a moral responsibility to cast a vote that's in alignment with our Christian faith, based on the Word of God and based on the church's tenets of faith. We have a moral and a civil responsibility to do so. And I know it's not easy to navigate the myriad of issues, oh my word, that are a part of the political landscape. It's a panorama of issues. And so it's crucial that we are informed, and informed in such a way that we know how to prioritize these issues. 
The last time I checked, America is still a free country, and we're still a free people, and we're going to have differences of opinion about certain things, and I think we can lovingly have differences of opinion on certain political issues. For example, the economy, or taxation, or immigration, or climate change, or defense, trade, health care, etc., and so on. We can have some differences of opinion on those things, but don't be fooled into thinking that these things uh, uh, are on an equal ground with things like abortion. They're not. What I'm saying is that we may differ on some issues, but there are certain issues that we as Bible-believing Christians must not be divided on. We must stand in unity. In other words, we have to have some non-negotiable values. Non-negotiable values. Hear me, beloved. The sanctity of life is a non-negotiable value. The sanctity of marriage between a man and a woman is a non-negotiable value. The The preservation of religious liberty is a non-negotiable value. These things are moral issues that the Word of God is clear on, and the church must draw a line in the sand on. Again, the other things, climate, defense, trade, economy, we can debate and have differences on that. They are negotiable values. But the sanctity of life, the sanctity of marriage, and the sanctity of our religious liberty are non-negotiable values. They need to be guideposts for us in how we make our decisions. <clears throat> in all the confusion, in all the chaos, excuse me, in all the media spin, dear heavens, we must, as Christians, vote in such a way that best upholds, best protects these non-negotiable values, the sanctity of life, the sanctity of marriage, and the sanctity of our religious liberty. The other issues in tow, they are important, don't, don't hear me wrong, but they are secondary to these three values. They are secondary to these three values. These three values are foundational to who we are as a people, to who we are as a society, and to who we are as Christians, who we are as believers in Jesus Christ. They really are. They're foundational. In respect to these non-negotiable issues, there is one candidate, and there is one party that openly and aggressively stands in opposition to these fundamental Christian values. I know this is the part where where people get a little bit skittish, because they're going to have to speak about a party and speak about a person. But there is one candidate and one party that openly and aggressively stands in opposition to these non-negotiable Christian values. And that, my friends, is Vice President, former Vice President Joe Biden and the Democratic Party platform. There, I said it. I didn't say it to offend anyone. I'm bringing you the truth of the Word of God. So please don't be upset at me. Here are a few things that I think that you need to know about Joe Biden and about the Democratic Party platform that should be a GPS dictation to how you make a decision in regards to the next president. He and that political party are unashamedly and blatantly 
pro-abortion. They make no qualms about it. They're pro-abortion. He and his party supports uh, uh, abortion for any reason and even for no reason, even beyond the moment of birth. That blows my mind and breaks my heart. He and his party opposed the effort in Congress to pass legislation requiring doctors to perform, uh, who perform abortions to provide medical care for babies who somehow survive the abortion, but rather they allow babies to simply die outside of the womb without any care. Heaven help us. He and the party are pushing for the repeal of the Hyde Amendment. The Hyde Amendment is an action which would require all taxpayers, that's you and me, to foot the bill for all abortions. They're trying to repeal that. On this non-negotiable value, the Democratic Party has by and large become the party of death, and Joe, Joe Biden is their standard bearer. He is. He, he said it himself at the first presidential debate, and I quote, I am the Democratic Party. I believe that abortion is America's greatest sin. It is America's greatest sin, and unless we repent from that sin, judgment will be tallied out to America. It's inevitable. The way our president has, has uh, placed the Supreme Court justices now puts us in a position to repeal and turn some of the previous sins of America, which are acts of repentance, I believe, that may stay God's judgment for a season. This is important, you all. Yeah, he said, I am the Democratic Party. He's the flag bearer. He's the standard bearer for it. He and they oppose churches that teach on the sanctity of marriage. Joe Biden publicly endorses same-sex marriage and has, in fact, officiated the marriage between two gay men. A Biden administration would continue to be a danger to our religious liberties and what we can do and what we can't do as a church. And although Joe Biden will not outwardly admit that he has a socialist agenda, a Biden administration would push us ever closer to the precipice of danger in, coming, in becoming a socialist nation. You might ask, well, why should that bother me as a Christian? What do I need to know about that? And I'm not going to get too deep into giving you an understanding of socialism, but history, quite frankly, can teach us the lesson. For, hope, for over 200 years, where socialism has tried to gain control, the church had become an enemy to every one of them that, that, that tried to gain control. The church either needed to be destroyed, it needed to be marginalized, it needed to be silenced, it needed to be shut down. Can you see it? I mean, it's happening in our society. It's in the grain of our society even today. And of all the things that I've mentioned in regard to Joe Biden and the party platform, abortion is absolutely the most egregious. It is America's sin. 61 million, I think, babies killed. It not only stands in opposition to the Constitution of the United States, but it blatantly is blatantly opposed to the standard 
of God's Word, to the precepts of God's Word. Abortion, spiritually speaking, is the primary cause and symptom of the downward spiral of our nation. I believe that there's every possibility that if America can repent of abortion, of the killing of the innocent, that we can see a turnaround in our nation. We have that opportunity. You must, Tuesday when you vote, you must vote in such a way that the non-negotiable values are the markers for which you vote. I've been saying this for weeks. It's not about the uh, personality. It's not about the person. It's about the machine that drives them, the party platform that impels them. It's what you're voting for. It's time for faithful Christians to stand up and say, as I said earlier, enough is enough already, and to stop this thing. We can no longer sit back and just let things happen, just believing this will never, just like you know, taking prayer out of schools. The church really did not rise up to let its voice be heard in that setting, and the, and the squeaky wheel won the day. Church, we have to be active. I've never considered myself an activist, and I guess I don't even to this day. I've made it very clear for a long time that I don't have a, I don't like being political in in the pulpit and in sermons. But something clicked inside of me this year when the Lord began to say to me, Rick, you need to prepare my people for my coming. I'm not saying I didn't hear a voice, okay, but it was impressed upon my heart. And it was also a change in direction of my life as a minister and ministry, and in ministry, to be a little less concerned about all the other churches and the other pastors, although I still am. I'm there to help every one of them if I can. But to be more importantly concerned for all of you who call this your church, me your pastor, and Jehovah God your God. That was my responsibility. That was my fundamental responsibility that God would judge me over, is how well did I prepare this church, these people, for the coming of the Lord. And I took it upon my shoulders, that mantle, heavy though it may be, I took it upon my shoulders to say, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to say what I believe needs to be said. Some of it may just be my opinion, but I do believe to the best of my ability, that these opinions are based on the structure of the Word of God, the precepts, the truth, and the standard of the Word of God, and the tenets of faith for our church. Sixty years ago, Archbishop Fulton Sheen wrote these words, as I begin to actually draw tonight's service to an end. Archbishop Fulton said, And I quote, a nation always gets the kind of politicians it deserves. (laughs) If a time ever comes when religious Jews, Protestants, and Catholics have to suffer under a totalitarian state which would deny them the right to worship God according to their conscience, it will be because for years they thought it made no difference what kind of people represented them and because they abandoned the spiritual realm for the temporal. Are you listening to me? Brothers and sisters, you cannot just go vote for the personality, for the person. 
you better vote toward the non-negotiable values. This I know, and it is not just opinion. The non-negotiable values that I, that I shared with you, the sanctity of life, the sanctity of marriage, and the sanctity of religious liberty is absolutely founded and structured in the fiber of the Word of God, in the DNA of the Word of God, if I may use that phrase. The bottom line, beloved, is you've got to vote. You have to vote. I'm not here to tell you how to vote, who to vote for, I shouldn't say, but to give you enough information to be able to know what the GPS markers, the waypoints are that you have to gear yourself toward. But when you do vote, would you side with the Word of God? Would you align yourself with His church and the tenets of faith of the church that you've dedicated your life to? Would you let the non-negotiables dictate your choice? Again, those non-negotiables, sanctity of life, sanctity of marriage, and sanctity of religious liberty. If you'll focus right there, there's enough information for you to be able to know what you must do. It's time for faithful Christians, the called of God, to stand up and say, enough is enough. Psalm 33, 12, blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. I believe that America is a chosen people and is the inheritance of God. That's why we've been so supernaturally, tremendously blessed in our short history, short history compared to many other nations on the planet. We're blessed of God, but we are not immune to the judgment of God. So let's do the right thing. Let's vote in such a way that it upholds these three non-negotiable values. Don't let climate change be your deciding factor. I know economy is important, but don't let it be your deciding factor. Defense is important, I understand that. Immigration is important, I get that. Healthcare is important. It's all, it's all important, but it's negotiable. But these three things that I've shared with you, the sanctity of life, the sanctity of marriage, and the sanctity of religious liberty are non-negotiable values. They should be core values for every believer of Jesus Christ. This is Rick speaking right now, but I wonder how a person can call themselves a Christian and not have these three things, these non-negotiable values as core values of their life. Because to, not, to, to have these values be negotiated based on culture and time and relevancy is to stand in opposition to the Word of God. And there's no middle ground with God. God wants you to be all the way he says, I wish that you were either hot or that you were cold, but because that you're lukewarm, I choose to spit you out of my mouth. <clears throat> Heaven forbid. I pray that I, I pray that this church, that not one person in this church nauseates God. I know that's a strong word. Enough is enough. It's time for us to stand up 
and do the right thing. Many of you may have already voted. I hope that you voted uh, appropriately. Based on the Word of God, many of you are yet to vote, as I. I'll wait till Tuesday. But I'm going to let these three things be the deciding factor on every single person that I vote for. It's not about party. Because there are probably some in the conservative Republican Party who are okay with abortion to a degree. Okay, so it's not about party. It's not about personality. It's about what thus saith the Lord God. And this needs to be you need to be sold out to this right here, lock, stock, and barrel, 100% all the way, the whole nine yards, everything that's within you, sewn into God's holy word, and let it be your guiding force. Let it be your guiding force. Let me pray with you, and then I'll quickly review uh, the announcements again for this coming Sunday. <coughs> Would you bow your heads with me? Gather together. This is our, friends, this is our last Wednesday to have this kind of connection, if you will, this kind of conversation, this kind of connection. Um, and it's important, six days left to save our nation. I'm serious about this. I hope you all know it. I hope you can tell it. I love you tremendously. I hope I didn't offend anyone. Because I know there, there, there are Democrats that are good Christians. There's no way that I'm saying in any way, shape, or manner that you can't be a Christian and be a Democrat. And I'm not the judge, but I dare say that you're going to have a hard time being a Christian believing that abortion is okay, believing that same-sex marriage is okay, and believing that we don't have to have religious liberty. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus, Lord and Savior. And I know, Lord God, that your eyes go to and fro throughout the whole land looking for those who fear you, those who trust in you, that you may hold us up in your righteous right hand. We do not need to be dismayed or fearful or afraid. We can have peace, no need to worry, even though it's a worrisome time. <clears throat> so I ask, Father, that, that, that good Christian folk be so convicted in their spirit about these three non-negotiable values that it absolutely dictates their choice. And Lord, if I just may be so bold as to ask fairly specifically, would you help this election become so one-sided to, toward President Donald Trump, that it is a landslide, it is also non-negotiable because there's no question about who won, not just the electoral vote, but the popular vote as well. Lord, we've had too many years where the 
results of the election were debated and were contested. Father, it's even been, been in, uh, Vice former Vice President Joe Biden has been uh, in, in counseled under no circumstances concede. But Lord, may this be so, such a landslide that it becomes historical. So that, Lord, there becomes a four or five year, however long, reprieve on your judgment against the nation of America. Father, I, I, I don't know how I, as a, as a solitary person, a, a single, uh, uh, just, just a man, one individual, a pastor of a church in a little city, has any right to repent on the part of our nation but forgive us, Lord, as a nation. Forgive us, Father, for the annihilation of 61 innocent humans. Forgive us, Lord. May there be a turnaround of that, that in every respect is a 180 from the previous stand toward abortion. Forgive us as a nation for the sexual sin in our country of homosexuality, same-sex marriage. They stand in opposition to your word, Lord, so therefore it needs to be repented of. I pray on behalf of the church, if I may, Lord, humbly as one individual, pray on behalf of the church. Forgive us as a church for just letting it happen. Not being more vocal, more activated toward the right and the good. Forgive us for the time that we've just kind of stuck our head in the sand and went, well, it's not going to happen. It'll never happen. God won't ever let it happen. It's not going to happen around here. We need your help, Lord Jesus. Father, I know that I don't need to remind you, but there's been multitudes in this church that for 34 days out of the 40 days to save our nation have been praying together in unison to save our nation. And I have to believe that you've heard those prayers because I know that you hear our prayers always. And so, Lord, I just pray in the name of Jesus, that your will be done and that mankind cannot circumvent your will in this case. I suppose, Lord, on the other hand, I have to concede that maybe your will is to have your son return and to start the countdown of the last days. I get that. I get that. I get that, Father. So help us be ready more for you than for anything else. Help us be prepared as your church, as your bride, for your coming and for whatever may be and whatever may come between now and your return. I know that that's the mandate that you've put upon my life as a pastor, and I will do my best, Lord. I'll do my best under my human strength 
by the power of the Holy Spirit to accomplish that task. And may we all be a people that will humble ourselves and allow ourselves to be tested and tried so that you may do good to us and for us in the end. We love you, Lord. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. I know that maybe this has been a little bit more solemn, but I have felt that way today as the my last, I know that I get to talk on Sunday, but I've not been taking a direction on Sunday to speak about the election, but more about other subjects that help us in life. And I've been using these Wednesday nights that leading up to the election to just be straightforward and get real with you. And this is my last chance, and so it was a solemn evening for me to bring the unadulterated, uncompromised truth. I have promised you over and over again that I would always preach the uncompromised truth, whatever the cost, whatever the risk. Let's remain prayerful these six days. We have still six days on our prayer um, initiative, if you want to call it that, the 40 days to save our nation. We still have six days. Maybe you're not signed up. That's all right. Pray anyway. <laughs> pray every day. And pray along the line of what I spoke to you about this evening, because I couldn't have gotten any more basic or any more authentic and real with you than I've gotten this evening. I love you. I am honored. Diane and I are honored to be your pastors, and we hope to do it for many more years to come, should the Lord tarry. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let me give you just a, just a review uh, the announcements that I gave you early because I want you to know these things. Uh, we're going to return to in-person church service this Sunday. There will only be one service at 11 o'clock. There is no 9 o'clock service. There's only one service at 11 o'clock. We'll have uh, a live streaming. Will it be available for those that that are still maybe apprehensive about coming out. That's okay. There's no shaming. Remember that? There's no shaming, no judgment. If you, if you choose to still stay home, I get it, okay? I get it. I've had coronavirus. I lost, Diane and I lost mom to that disease. So we get it. <laughs> of all people, we get it. That's okay. But you can live stream on Facebook or YouTube and get the access to that through our website. On Sunday, we'll have all of our auxiliary ministries active and mobilized, children's ministry, cafe, ushers, greeters, doorkeepers, etc. Um, <clears throat> remember that I'm encouraging you to consider others first. And I'm going to be very adamant about this it, probably for the rest of this year. We don't know how things are going to pan out, but um, certainly for the uh, upcoming future, uh, it is very important that you consider the space of other people. Physical distancing is something that we're all kind of used to right now. And so I want you to respect the space of other people. As I said, I still do this wherever I may be, let alone in church. I'll, before I extend my hand to someone, I'll ask them if it's okay for me to shake their hand. Unless, of course, they extend their hand to me just automatically, then I'm going to shake it. I, I don't hug anyone without saying, is it all right if I give you a hug? 
And we're going to take that one step further. And before you sit directly next to someone in church, would you be kind enough to ask them if it's okay if you sit next to them? Because some people are going to come in and they don't want to be identified as, as social distancers. And we don't want people identified in such a way. But we want to respect each other's space because that's loving others. And that's what we're supposed to do. Consider others as more important than self. And I also share with you <coughs> excuse me, that there'll be two new things at the door. There'll be a person standing by. Um, that will have a small container of hand sanitizer. They're going to be non-intrusive. They're not going to be like, come here and wash your hands, or you must wash your hands before you enter. No, they're supposed to simply say to you, may I offer you some hand sanitizer? And take it if you like, and, and you don't have to if you don't want to. But hand washing, regardless of COVID, <laughs> hand washing is one of the best defenses to the spread of germs and cold, so we encourage you to do so. There'll be another person standing by. Uh, now, that person will be wearing gloves just because there's going to be a contact made, and they're going to be offering you uh, a bulletin for the day. We're going to do some printed bulletins again. So once again, you'll walk in, and I'm not sure exactly which door I'll have it at, but uh, you'll, you'll, you'll know right away when you come in. There'll be a person offering you a, a way to clean your hands and, uh, and a person that will offer you a bulletin should you like to have one. And then finally, before I let you go, we will, I've made a decision today that we're going to return to in-person midweek services next Wednesday, November the 4th at 7 p.m. Uh, I believe I'm going to get back to the discussion on end times, but who knows, November the 4th, the day after election. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what happens. Hey, listen, I love you. I call you blessed. Miss Diane and I love you. We think you're the most amazing people that we know, and we're so thankful that you love us, that you love the Lord, that you love his church, and that you love his word. You know what I always say, right? Keep your nose in the book. Keep your knees bent to heaven, and keep your body in the house of God. I call you blessed.